In disaster planning in a major metropolitan area, city, state, federal, county, and other organizations are all involved. How did this actually work in the disaster in Minneapolis when the bridge collapsed? You're listening to a special report on ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Christy Rollwagen, Deputy Director of Emergency Preparedness for the City of Minneapolis. Christy and I are discussing how city, state, federal, and county disaster, rescue, and relief workers all came together during the Minneapolis bridge collapse. Christy, welcome to Reach MD. Hello. So take us through just how complicated this particular disaster was and why it involves so many different municipalities and agencies. Just by looking at how the bridge came down, we had a bridge that was a state-owned road that came down in a waterway where the Coast Guard and the county sheriff had jurisdiction, and it happened to be in the city of Minneapolis on city land. So right off the bat, we knew we had a multi-jurisdictional event that we were going to have to deal with. As the disaster unfolded, we had a number of situations that we had to deal with that involved multiple partners from multiple disciplines. We had a bridge come down where we had to do transport and triage of our injured people and get them to the hospital. So EMS was involved with that. We had a hazardous materials incident going on because the bridge came down on a rail car. So our firefighters were busy with that. We had perimeter security that had to be put in place right off the bat by law enforcement to deny access for the public as well as to preserve the crime scene. We had water rescue going on by the sheriff's office. So we had all sorts of dynamics involved, uh, not only because of the way the bridge fell and who owned what part of the bridge that fell in the water, but also by the number of jurisdictions that had to come and help. From a layperson's perspective, if I was just standing on the shore looking in, Would I have noticed this coordination or different people doing different things? Well, I would hope if we were successful, you wouldn't have noticed a difference. It would have looked seamless to you, and I think it did uh, to the public because it kind of lumped us all into one category of emergency responders. So what they saw is a brown shirt being worn by the sheriff's office, and they saw white shirts by some of the firefighters and blue shirts by some of the firefighters and light blue shirts by the cops. So they knew that people were of different, you know, backgrounds and different departments that were there. We actually had a number of our mutual aid partners come in, so it wasn't just Minneapolis responders that were down there. So I'm sure the public saw a whole handful of people that were down there, and I'm hoping it looks seamless to the public as well because they were all working together. So now let's go behind the scenes and talk about who was the person that was really in charge. Was there one person? Well, there was an overall on-scene incident commander, and it really started out as a fire department response. The assistant chief of operations from our fire department was the overall incident commander, but he operated in a unified command because of the need to have so many jurisdictions taking a part of that emergency right off the bat. So unified command consisted of police, fire, and EMS right off the bat. And then when we transitioned to operating out of our emergency operations center, simultaneously we set up the same unified command structure in our emergency operations center, and that included representation from disciplines as well as representation from our county, our federal, and our state partners. Does that mean there were 
like nine different people at the same place all talking about how to deal with this or people calling other people? How did that work? Well, on scene, there were multiple command posts set up because uh, law enforcement brought a command post and fire brought a command post, and they operated a unified command between those command posts on scene. They segmented off the emergency and assigned an officer, whether it was a company officer from the fire department or a law enforcement officer, to run that segment of the emergency. And they responded through the incident command process back to the overall unified command on site. In our EOC, it was actually more like 40 people down there that night uh, right off the bat. And we all came to the EOC with the understanding of being a resource allocator for the field. So we had somebody from our police department in our EOC who was corresponding with the field by phone and radio that night and finding out what they needed and to start to get those resources on the way. When we exceeded our city resources, that's why we had our county partners there. And we needed them there anyways because the county sheriff was actually doing the water rescue that night. And when we exceeded our county resources, that's why we had our state folks there so that if we needed federal resources, they could be the mechanism to get our federal resources, which we ended up bringing in divers from the Navy and the FBI. So you've described the situation as the disaster was unfolding. What happened in the next couple of days, and how did these agencies continue to work together? Well, we realized real soon that first evening that this was going to become a recovery effort. Once we had transported the initial rounds of people off the bridge itself, we knew that the people who were in the water after a couple of hours were not going to survive this incident just because of the magnitude of the debris that was in the water. So we transitioned real quickly to a recovery effort. And when that happened, we had to bring in some federal resources to help us with that just because the type of debris that was in the water and the the amount that was in the water exceeded the capabilities of our local sheriff and our firefighters that have dive teams. So we requested the assistance of FBI forensic divers as well as Navy salvage divers, and they came in. I think it was probably the third day they were here and began to help us with the recovery effort. We also had issues around a family assistance center that needed to be set up, and we set the family assistance center up real early on in the incident where people who wanted to know if their loved ones were missing or if they survived and needed to be reunited and they weren't, you know, transported to a hospital, we could get people reunited. We set that up at a Holiday Inn Hotel within a proximity of the bridge and then soon transitioned that over to a facility on a local college campus. That Family Assistance Center was the efforts of our public health, our American Red Cross, and our law enforcement partners. And that became really, besides diving in the water for body recovery and the incident stabilization around making sure that the bridge wasn't going to shift or move or fall down again, uh, what was left of the bridge, we ended up spending a lot of time around the Family Assistance Center and getting those people who needed information reunited. Paint a picture for us of what this debris in the water looks like and why it's so difficult to do the rescue and recovery. Imagine a bridge span that goes from uh, across a riverway from a south bank to a north bank, and it was four or six-lane highway, I believe, that went right down in the water. And it went, I mean, we're talking about all the steel girders and we're talking about all of the concrete on the bridge essentially filled up the waterway. And the cars that were on there were mixed in with that debris. 
all of the resurfacing equipment that the contractor was using. So we had semi-trucks with sand and gravel, and we had all the resurfacing vehicles that the contractors were using were all in the water. And it was just an unbelievable sight. And the first night I got down there, about 3 in the morning, they had it all lit up because it had brought in external lighting, and it was eerie. Uh, there was a school bus that was still sitting there. There was a semi where the fire was in one of the semi on the tasty bread trucks, and that was still there. Vehicles still all over the bridge, and it stayed that way for a long time, at least two weeks before we started removing vehicles off the bridge because we had divers in the water, and we didn't want to move anything on top that might affect their ability to dive. Once they got to a point where they couldn't do any more uh, retrieval out of the water, we started to remove vehicles from the top of the bridge and cut away parts of the bridge so that they had better access. And that's where we found the last remaining victims. And how long from the disaster until the last victim was taken out? Well, the bridge fell on Wednesday, August 1st, and we pulled the last body out Monday night, August 20th, at about 6.30. So 20 days. What's it like for the recovery personnel that have to go down in that water and pull out those bodies? Well, I never had the opportunity to have a face-to-face meeting with any of the divers. I saw them in passing quite often. They were working in 12-hour shifts literally round the clock for 20 days. Um, well, they came to town probably about 18 days. They were a couple days into the incident before they were in town. And the level of dedication that they had to this incident was amazing. And the number of hazards they had to face under the water, you know, we had a lot of rain come through in the last week and a half. And, you know, the the current in the river became problematic at times. And they would just patiently wait for the current to recede a little bit and then go back in the water. The dedication that they had to their mission, which was to reunite every single person with their loved one who was lost in the river, was unbelievable. And they retrieved all 13 people that were missing And we are so appreciative here in the city of Minneapolis for their professionalism and their dedication. Disasters like the Minneapolis Bridge Collapse need command and control from a variety of municipalities and government agencies. I want to thank our guests, Christy Rollwagen, the Deputy Director of Emergency Preparedness for the city of Minneapolis, for painting such a clear picture of how all these entities work together in the disaster recovery and rescue. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures. You've been listening to a special report on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.